But what it does is really puts our brain on this pedestal. Okay, the brain is king. And so because, you know, it's doing so much, it knows so much, that's where the answers must be. But somatics kind of approaches it from, well, you know, your brain is actually only in this short little section of your body. This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome. To empowered spirituality. Hi everyone, thanks for listening to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. I'm Bex Mui, you she and her pronouns, and I'm a queer biracial spiritual organizer. I'm here to tell you about my latest project, House of Our Queer, which you can find on Instagram. House of Our Queer is a QT by POC-centered spiritual play space where I share affirmations for the queer and trans community. Each week, I host an IG Live queer church, which includes a recharging reading, an astrology update, a weekly spiritual consideration, and closes with a tarot card pull to guide us into the week ahead. Throughout the week, I offer affirmations and gentle responses to current events affecting our diverse community and other IG Live chats on everything from decolonizing Christianity to queer artistic sex ed to crystal readings. Check it out on Instagram at House of Our Queer. Thanks. All right, I am joined by the lovely Stephanie Somatics, an amazing somatic healer. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, Samantha. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to share this work and dive into the conversation as it, you know, intertwines with this idea of empowered spirituality. Thank you so much. So Stephanie, please tell us about yourself, not just what you do, but who you are, your passions, your hobbies, whatever makes you, you. Mm, Absolutely. So, you know, in this field of this conversation, why I'm here today, um, I am a somatic healer. And I work with folks one-on-one and in groups to help them get reconnected with their body, specifically as it relates to their emotional and mental health. And this can look like overcoming trauma, um, unworking unhealthy life patterns, you know, navigating um, the way we show up in a relationship, maybe something simple like how do I communicate better? All of that, we can get so much information about what path we need to be taking based on how our body is giving us information about it. Um, and really I came to this work because this was what worked for me. I, in my early twenties was really seeing the impact that um, feeling unheard and unseen in my family system was, you know, really setting me up to not see or hear myself. I was getting myself in re- relationships or situations that wouldn't be considered healthy and uh, was really like needing support and help and found a somatic therapist. And, you know, really the basis of that work that she helped me do was being able to hear myself when you're, when my body was saying, this doesn't feel good, something is wrong. I learned how to slow down and be like, oh my gosh, I hear you. I want to adjust. And uh, that really has been this thread through so much of my life. Um, who I am out in the world outside of this practice, outside of my profession is also very related to my relationship with my body. Um, I'm very uh, an active mover. I do a lot of movement practices for myself, hiking, biking, uh, rock climbing, dancing, yoga, things like that all really allow me to maintain that relationship with myself and 
I find that dancing in particular gives me really this um, open channel to myself. And that was also something that, you know, I discovered about myself when I started doing this somatic work was that, wow, there's a version of me that feels so alive when she has that freedom to move, that freedom to express in that way. And it's really, um, it's really, I think, helped me understand even my own core identity of like who I am on the day-to-day, again, outside of the profession, outside of relationships with other people, just by myself, like, okay, Stephanie, who are you? I feel like I have that conversation much um, easier when I'm in that movement space. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you for all that information. I can't wait to dive into all of it a little bit more. Um, So it sounds like your work is really focused on trauma and how it shows up in the body and how we, we free ourselves both from that trauma and coming back home to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that, you know, that little phrase of coming back home to ourselves. That's something that I say quite frequently. And I firmly believe, you know, our, our body is a subjective participant in our life, not objective. It has an opinion about what it has lived through with us, but yeah. So often we kind of see it as just the mechanism that gets us to places, gets us through things. Mm. And really, if we're looking at what we've lived through, how does your body feel about all those things? And the working with the body in that way to heal or to you know, really discuss the trauma itself takes a different you know, approach and from what I've seen and, you know, what I believe also about this work is it really is meant to be about the longevity. I'm not looking for a band-aid fix. We're not looking to say mm-hmm. like, yep, that happened. Let's move on. This is about, you know, really your body, the um, stability, the affirmation that you hear it and you're going to stay with it. Even if more trauma came up or, you know, something horrible, you know, God forbid mm-hmm. happened tomorrow are you going to be there for your body? Are you going to have that conversation? Are you going to be able to maintain that connection? And I think it is the first thing to go. You know, when we look at something really simple, like our self-care practices, you know, when things are good, we stop doing them. We're like, oh, I don't need that anymore. I'm fine. I'm okay. I don't need to take the extra time for that. And in that way, we tell our body, I only pay attention when something is bad or wrong. And that if yeah. that, you know, a relationship with another person, that would be such a painful kind of experience. We only pay attention to them when something is wrong or bad and we don't give them attention when things are good. I think that, you know, creates so much sadness, so much separation. And so when we work with trauma in the body, really we're coming to it from a body approach. We're wanting to meet that experience um, from the bottom up rather than the top mm. down, which is what we see in a lot of talk therapy or con- cognitive approaches. Oh, the brain is telling me a thing happened. Well, what do you think about that? And then what happened? And now what do you mm. feel? It's a lot of narrative and a lot of structure in that brain processing. And I think that makes sense to a lot of us because, you know, we're thinking <laughs> intellectual <laughs> beings, right? But what it does is really puts our brain on this pedestal. Okay, the brain is king. And so because, you know, it's doing so much, it knows so much, that's where the answers must be. But somatics kind of approaches it from, well, you know, your brain is actually only in this short little section of your body. Look at all of the rest of the systems that are present. Mm -hmm. You know, if we think about something really simple, like our afferent and efferent neurons, which are like our little information messenger Um, neurons when uh, there's external information that needs to come into your body like your hand on a stove that hotness gets sent in with um, oh goodness I'm going to mix them up with the (laughs) neurons and it goes in and says that's hot and then the other neurons go oh okay send the message back that we need to pick that hand up and something really simple like that actually we found has a lot of like really um, expansive wisdom to it So you've got about an 80-20 split between the information coming in and the information going out. And 80% is information coming in. Mm. And that tells us that like your body is always absorbing information. It has so much to say. And that's really crucial. That that is such like, you know, a big powerhouse of knowledge that we want to tap into and learn how to hear. 
And so we, when we're using somatic approaches to work with trauma, we're using all of those sensory information sources that your body has, you know, things like taste or texture or sound or, um, you know, sensation, all of those senses are how your body is communicating to you. And so if we can go back to where that trauma has left a residual imprint and hear the body through those sensations, through the visuals, mm. through the memory. Sometimes it is through like auditory memories. Sometimes, you know, a client will um, be like, wow, it's, it's crazy. I feel like I can see the room I was in. I feel like I'm really there. And again, that the way that memory is showing up in your body tells us this is, this is real, that your body yeah. does feel like this is present and happening. And, you know, what Bessel van der Kolk really discovered for us when doing work with PTSD back in the day was that our bodies aren't really telling the difference between present, past, and future. Wow. For our body, it's not about the time it happened. It all feels like right now. And our brain really tries to hold on to the structure of, no, no, it's not now. It's not real. And what that does is perpetuate this idea of um, invalidation. Yeah. I don't trust my body, what it's telling me right now. That's not happening. Get it together. You're fine. And your body is going, I'm not fine. Mm, and so when we're yeah. doing that somatic approach, it is coming in from that body, body um, mechanisms, the sensations, the textures, the memories, but also, you know, by taking the time to sit with it, we're validating. Yeah, this feels real right now. And we want to take the time to do that. And when we consistently do that, what it really does is set up that trusting relationship with our body, much in the way we would with other people. Yeah, I'm here. I want to hear what's happening. Like, talk to me, what's going on. And that consistency, that patience, it's the same kind of approach. Mm, thank you. What I'm really hearing too is, hmm, well, I, I guess I've been doing a lot of work on reparenting and becoming both your inner child, both your past experiences, but then also your higher loving self or loving parent. And it sounds like that's very similar because you're saying, you know, this is safe. We aren't here, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready to listen and I'm ready to integrate. Um, is that something that resonates with your work? Absolutely. And this, you know, this duality piece you're speaking to, I am both the inner child and my higher self, my inner parent. You know, our ability to even hold both like that is so exceptionally phenomenal. Like what a concept to simultaneously be a child while also being the parent, to be in the past and in the future. And I believe that because our body doesn't understand time in the same way, you know, with the exception of, you know, we age, we get old, <laughs> that's inevitable, but really the almost like the energetic way our body experiences time is different. And it gives mm. us this incredible capacity to do what you're speaking to of oscillating between both parts, both and. And I think that is really what um, allows us to become self healers. Thank you. Yeah, I noticed that as a culture, as people, we have a hard time with, with holding space for both and having duality and not being black or white um, I guess, do you have any insights or even advice for someone who's starting that journey of having duality of, you know, being the mind and the body or whatever that looks like? Totally. I think that's a great question, you know, that, you know, it's a pendulum swing. We start on one extreme and then we learn, oh God, this isn't working. We swing drastically to the other side and we get there and we go, no, this is just uncomfortable. Even though it's new, we swing back again. Yes. And really it is, you know, that first step is awareness. Wow, I'm doing this pendulum swing. I'm operating from, you know, one end of the spectrum, this, you know, intensity of red all the way over to the intensity of blue. And it really it's getting the awareness of that. Huh, wow, what do I feel like when I'm only in the red zone? What do I yeah. feel like when I'm only in the blue? Because the more we understand the differences, the more we kind of piece those out then we can start to say, huh, and what if I added just one drop of blue to this place of red? Not a lot, just one. Yeah. What is it like to do that 1% step? What does that look like? And sometimes, you know, doing that conceptually makes it a little bit easier. Sometimes doing that from a body place 
makes that easier of like, okay, I know when I'm in red, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, I'm like shaky. And when I'm in blue, like I can't feel anything and there's nothing there. And like, oh, okay, those are such different experiences. What if we took, you know, just again, that 1%, that one little drop gave you a little bit of that heat when you feel numb, what would that be like? And I think it really is this um, expanding of our color wheel in that way. How do we add, you know, a little bit of just one drop at a time, a little bit of white, a little bit of black, just to increase our range, really. And that I think in that exploration that you're speaking of, how do I, how do we get curious about what the gray spaces are like, is really where like the richness of self-discovery is, of um, what it's like to be be the expert in you. Mm, beautiful. Be the expert in you. I really like that. Mm, absolutely. Mm. It is, I think, something that we don't hear very often. It's always, oh, somebody else knows more. Somebody else achieved yeah. that better. Even with psychology, oh, somebody else will understand me more. But it is an approach I take when I work with folks is you know, I'm here to learn about you. You are the expert in you. You're the one that lived through those experiences. All of this is just my reflection back of what I'm hearing you speak and that this wouldn't work without the expert in you. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I think that's really a good key when someone is looking for a healer or a therapist or a coach is to find someone who will honor your wisdom and your experience and learn from you. Mm. Right, right. That it's a mutual exchange. We are learning from mm. each other. I might have, you know, this knowledge I've accumulated from studying this concept, but by no means does that mean I'm done learning. Mm. By no means does that yeah. mean I'm like the ultimate expert. If anything, I'm here to collaborate with you. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, I have all this information, but it, you know, doesn't do any good until you show me how we can weave it together. It's really that, um, I keep using this art visual, but really like, you know, I've just got brushes, but you've got the paint. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. I love that. Wow. Um, I'm really hearing that kind of the first step, and I think this is true, not just with duality, but all parts of this journey is noticing with compassion or just witnessing. Um, before we start adding in the colors or changing, I think it's so special to just say, oh, I'm doing this and this is what it feels like. That's interesting and not judging it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And that neutral place of, huh, look, a thing. <laughs> that, yeah. that awareness gives us the capacity to then get curious about the story. We overlay to it. Oh, I hate when I feel that, huh? why do I hate when I feel that? It's so interesting that I hate yeah. that. Where did that come from? How did that start? And I think oftentimes people experience that when sitting across from a healer, a therapist, a coach, just having somebody else go, huh, why, why, why do you hate that? And asking that curiosity question, I think is something we can do with ourselves, but sometimes is is, you know, a little bit easier when you've got that support system of someone to help you learn how to do that on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Wow. So you said that it sounds like you got started on this because this is what you did for yourself. And then it sounds like you developed a passion for wanting to share this and help other people. Is that kind of true on how you got started? Absolutely. It's spot on. I, um, had seen therapists before and, um, mm. you know, my mom has a background in psychology and, you know, people were trying to help and uh, saying like, we're here, we don't understand what's wrong. And that I think so many of us have had that experience of feeling like people are reaching out. People are saying like, what do you need? What's going on? But we don't know what's going on. We don't understand what's happening either. And so it's, you know, mm. almost recreates that, um, that trapping vortex that really isolates us and is so much about really the stages of change. Are we ready mm -hmm. to acknowledge it? Are we ready to go in there? And so finding a somatic therapist for me was really like a pivotal moment of like, 
whoa, there's so much here. And now I can learn how to understand this. I can learn how to understand myself so that then I can communicate to the people who are trying to help what I need in terms of help and support. And that was in my early 20s, had just graduated college, gotten my undergrad and um, was really searching for like, what do I want to do with my life? Who am I going to be? And had been working, um, teaching stand-up paddle boarding and doing kayak tours and things like that. I was very much an ocean gal and mm-hmm. loved being outside, loved getting to like share knowledge about the ocean and marine life and be active. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, getting to be in my body in that way really yeah. sparked my soul. Um, but I was like, wow, is this, is this what I want to do forever? Be, you know, salty <laughs> for the rest of my day, <laughs> which didn't sound too bad to be fair. Um, but I had a, a friend of mine who was very artistic and really in the, um, conscious community down in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I would see these pictures of her painting people and she was using these markers to paint on people. And I was like, wow, what a clever idea. You don't have to do brushes or water. Like that sounds really fun. She looks like she's really connecting with these people. And so I had yeah. reached out to her and said, what is this? And she connected me with a group called Tribal Markers. Um, which is still located um, in Venice today. And the founder, Amir Magal, is an exceptional human and really was looking for a way to blend his artistic love with his love for connecting with people. And I connected with him. He brought me onto the team. And I started having this realization that I was naturally you know, made to hold space, to be present, to connect with individuals. And it was very visceral of an experience. It was very much of like, you know, the difference between feeling grounded in your body versus feeling dissociated, Mm. you know, up and floating versus like deep and grounded and weighted without feeling heavy or stuck, really different experiences. And working with Amir and, you know, this practice of showing up for other people also really asked me, wow, how am I showing up for myself? And the experience of that exchange really was my beginning platform of, wow, I want to help other people find how to feel grounded in themselves. I want to help them realize that they're dissociated and then be like, wow, do I want something different? Help them come back home. Like you said, to be home in our body, to feel like that's a safe place to be. And I think some of it also came from, you know, this practice of painting on people was really about adorning them, really highlighting the beauty that I could already see in them, which I think is um, like a, a natural gift that I feel very special to have. And two of my dear friends, um, my dear girlfriends out in Colorado have said this a number of times about, you know, our relationships together. Wow, Steph, you were able to see me in a way that Mm. I wasn't able to see me years before I was ready to be that woman. And that I think we need those people in our life, you know, and they, those, you know, friends of mine, those women have also been that for me, we need someone to say, I see your potential and not, you know, the idea of getting lost in the love of potential but also being able to hold accountable, like you can do this work. Don't, don't give me, you know, that crap being, it's hard. I know it's hard and you can do this. And that, that journey for me of, you know, realizing that I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask for help. Having people say like, we're here, we don't know what to do. And me being like, I don't think you can do it. I don't think this is for you to do. And then finding this, ex- these experiences for myself of, oh, there's information here. Oh, I can hold space. Oh, I feel good when I hold space. And uh, really cultivating that part of myself has been it, it, my passion, you know, for the last seven years now. And that a lot of what I, you know, talk about on my, um, you know, marketing social media platforms is that I'm not preaching something I'm not practicing. Mm, yeah. I'm, I still have days where I'll feel something in my body and be like, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it today. And that's okay. And that's real. And that it is important for us to come back to this place that there is, you know, so much richness 
in this discovery work. Like I said, you know, that spectrum of color keeps getting deeper, keeps getting more expansive. And in that way, you know, the idea that I, I don't want to just talk the talk. I do. I do mm-hmm. really very truly want to walk this walk. And, you know, these practices of working with tribal markers, of getting to be creative in that kind of space, I think also allowed me, you know, this door into working with the body in a creative way as well. It doesn't have the same, you know, our body doesn't have the same thought process as our brain. There's no Mm. cognitive stream of words, but, you know, for example, the lining of our gut has over a million neurons that are the same ones that our brain uses to think about emotion. And so that tells us your gut is literally having feelings and trying to say like, this is what's happening. This is a feeling that's going on. But because there's no, I have a feeling linear stream of thought, we have a tendency to discount it. And I think that blend of having done, you know, active work, you know, being in the outdoor um, tourism industry and then doing, you know, this artistic approach to holding space for people, and working with my own somatic therapist, I think it was inevitable that, <laughs> that I ended up where I am today. <laughs> and very much feel grateful to also have gone to Naropa University in Boulder to study this. Mm. That it really, you know, the school and its approach is from a contemplative standpoint. Mm. You know, your teachers aren't there to say, we know the most and you need to like, you know, regurgitate the information. They ask you to integrate it. It's, it's, you know, no small potatoes. It is a (laughs) hefty program. And, but I feel grateful to have learned this work again from people who were not trying to just talk the talk, you know, talk, but really walk the walk. Wow. Thank you. You, you really sound like you are the light and that from doing this work and being a role model to others and your clients, you're able to, yeah, just be, be the light that others can follow. Mm, thank you. It's so interesting, I think, being in the spiritual community, you know, mm. however folks identify with that term. But for me, it's really about the holistic approach to living our life. Mm. It's not, you know, one component that affects us. It's all of them. There's multiple factors and we as individuals are multidimensional. And so, you know, the experience of being light, I think I am aware that I feel bright and vibrant, but that I also recognize the the level of my brightness is in direct correlation to how deep of darkness I could go in. That I think a lot of us have this deep desire to be bright and vibrant and alive all the time, you know, be in the light, be that light worker, but that I, I don't think we expand our light by only being light. I think actually it happens reciprocally when we have the, you know, deepen our capacity, widen our tolerance to be in um, the intensity of shadow, to sit in those, you know, dark, moist places. Our system, you know, naturally matches, oh, you can go this deep. Okay, let's take you, you know, this far into the light too then. And I think sometimes when I tell this story, I end up looking like I'm talking about catching a fish this big and then this big. (laughs) But really that I I truly believe that's how it works. We don't get to experience the high vibrancies until we acknowledge that we have also experienced deep, deep pains. Thank you for saying that. Um, And I was actually going to come back to this and ask you, I think people hear about doing the work and there's a lot of almost toxic positivity that can exist in that space. Um, I guess, how would you speak on the pain that this causes? It does cause freedom and joy and and love and integration, but it also is pain and it's dark and it's shadowy. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think toxic positivity is a great piece to touch on here. And I think it's important that we touch on it. There's so much, um, you know, especially in a world where we are constantly bombarded with 
the visuals of others, you know, other people are happier, other people have more money, mm. other people have more jobs, better relationships, whatever it is, higher cheekbones, you know, however you're <laughs> receiving all of that information about others, we get this narrative of just smile. It's okay. Like you'll be fine, which mm. is wonderful and needs to be said. Sometimes we do need that reminder when that's the only thing we're talking about and we're not recognizing the way it impacts us, then we're actually re-perpetuating the, you know, that experience I spoke about earlier of invalidating our body's experience, you know, saying, you know, just focus on the good, make a gratitude list. Sure. You should make a gratitude list. You should practice feeling grateful in your body because just like any other muscle, it needs to be worked out. But it's not the only muscle in your body. We're not only going to have left bicep day for a hundred days in a row. That's just outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> we also have to recognize there are other muscles here. There are other components. And I think that is what gets forgotten about this holistic mentality. Holistic really means to look at all mm-hmm. of the dimensions. It's a collective, you know, creation of you and positivity and optimism is a very small part is one particular you know aspect and uh, that if we only add white to our color palette you never get to see dark navy green or deep forest or navy green is not a color that was blue (laughs) sorry (laughs) no we never get to see navy blue and forest green and you know deep sienna or mahogany those, those are part of the richness of this life, but only adding white, you know, really only gives us pastel colors, which are beautiful and like vibrant in their own end, you know, in their own right, but it's not the whole palette. Yeah. I love this metaphor that you're having. It's beautiful. (laughs) Clearly an artist. That's the way my mind works. Actually, I'd love to talk more about that. I know that you came into this work through doing tribal markers and through creativity. Um, and I'm wondering how creativity shows up in your practice and in your daily life for yourself. Mm, yeah, I think this work asks us to be creative. Living asks us to be creative. It is yeah. um, so overwhelming to think, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what I'm, what's supposed to come next which is true. You have never been at today before. You have never been this version of you quite yet. You know, who Mm. you were yesterday is not exactly the same as who you are today. And so there is a certain amount of bravery that comes in with it, but I think also a certain amount of creativity. It's yours. How do you want to navigate through it? And that each, you know, new hurdle is going to be a little bit different than the last. I think I've learned that very much you know, through art, but also through working with people. I think with tribal markers in particular, you know, I could have done the same shape, you know, like let's say a diamond, Mm. I've drawn a diamond on people a bajillion times. I couldn't even potentially count. But what about this diamond fits best to this person that I'm painting on? Mm. Is it really just the diamond or is it about space in between these little squares that make up the diamond and you know the shape of that person's shoulder huh I wonder if I can move with the shape of them it's still a diamond it's still the same thing I've drawn a million times but this one is theirs this one is for them and I think that is part of my approach to working with people in sessions as well and helping them get curious about their own experiences their traumas their life their body I think yesterday I had such a fun session with a client where we just talked about dreaming and that, you know, years ago I would have said like, what a crap session. She didn't cry. You didn't (laughs) dive into anything intense. And at the same time, what it did actually was touch on the way we give ourselves to be creative in life. Do we just accept, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I go from A to B to C. Did you ever ask yourself if you want to stop at B before you get to C or would you like Mm. to, you know, go around? What does Y and Z look like? 
you can come back to see that doesn't matter. That's up to you. And that when we, you know, really are seeing individuals as unique and creative in their own right, the different interventions I use with folks regarding their traumas, their experiences, their pains, even their joy and their enthusiasms, mm. it is going to take a little bit different of an approach each time, even if it's, you know, roughly the same idea. We're going to talk to the part. We're going to say, I love you. I'm here. I'm ready to listen. Sure. We're going to say that, but do you want to touch that part before you say it? Does that part want you to hug it? Does that part want to be in a meadow and dancing before you say that? But for each person, it is going to be different and weaving and creativity in my work, I think feels much more like my style. Like you said, like it's very, you know, my art, my creativity really shows up in this way. And for me, doing my artwork is a way that I process my emotions. Mm. That I will sit down with, you know, pencils, paint, watercolors, you know, sometimes a good finger painting session is really what you need <laughs> because there's so much, um, for me, just having that artist mind of color really allows me to shift away from the narrative. If you were going to tell me your life story without words, what does that look like? Wow. And uh, that kind of perspective shift, that um, swapping of uh, senses. Okay. If you're not going to talk about it, how would you charades it to me? Okay. If you weren't going to charades wow. it, how could you paint me a picture? Okay. If you weren't going to paint me a picture, um, you know, could you play me a song that there's all these different modalities we have to communicate, but that not often are we trying to use that idea to translate ourselves. And for me, having that option to be creative as I translate myself also relies on quite a bit of trust. I don't know what I'm going to paint when I sit down sometimes. Sometimes I sit down and I'm like, oh, we're going to have feelings. We're going to do a thing. <laughs> I sit there for like 30 minutes and I'm like, wow, this looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. All right. And we have another moment to practice, like letting it be what it was. Maybe today we needed to struggle and that's okay because then it gives me the opportunity to notice how I meet myself in struggle, how I meet myself when I make something that I'm not going to deem as pretty or perfect or complete. And that I think sometimes people get very stuck in this idea of, well, I'm not an artist. I can't mm -hmm. do that. You have training, you have talent. That's you know what works for you, but that doesn't work for me. Um, and I think that actually was part of also where tribal markers really fit in for me. It's a marker. They don't have to be creative. They've got, you know, a set of symbols you can do. You don't have to, you know, a diamond. We can, there are four lines to the square and it's just on a side. Like, right. <laughs> everyone can do that. <laughs> and the accessibility of that has been really beautiful to see, you know, helping teach at their trainings and things like that has been really rewarding as well to help people discover that creativity in a tangible sense, but also with clients you know, when I've worked with someone for quite a while, something I'll start doing is saying, well, what do you think mm. you do with this? If you were me right now, what, what would you say to you? What is, you know, is there a different way we can look at this? What do you think about that? And really encouraging you to be creative about it, you to get curious. What do you want to do about that? Um, and that really, for me also is part of why I love this work. Uh, you know, I'm not here to say that I know everything. I'm going to be the one to change your life. I actually don't mm. like that at all. My goal is to help you realize that you're the one who's going to change your life. Thank you. Um, so it sounds like your sessions can be, can go anyway. Uh, it sounds like you really let the client take what they need and run with that. Um, but I am curious if you could describe kind of what a session with you would look like. Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. My sessions are 50 minutes, give or take, and that we do them on Zoom right now. It allows mm -hmm. me to be really accessible to people all over the world, actually, which has been really exceptional. And it also allows me my own, you know, mobility to be where you know, fills me most to do this work. 
Um, and we start a session like you would, you know, imagine a talk therapy session. You're going to tell me how your day's been. You're going to tell me what's going on for the week. But that often will open the space with a body check-in first. Mm. That for, you know, we'll do a little like, hey, you can hear me. I can hear you. Cool. You're good. Great. Let's do it. And I'll just invite the individual to take a moment to pause, check in with your body. I'll invite them to close their eyes, notice their breath. Just see what's here today. That even just in the opening of the container, we want to set the tone. We're here to talk to your body. And that, you know, little check-in can sometimes be super quick. They're like, oh, nope, super hard to be in my body today. Can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to do it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> But I also have clients where I am like, okay, great. And what are you noticing today? And they're like, no, just let me stay here. And that I think is some of the most rewarding to see is to see clients grow into a comfortable place with their body. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, the co-created space can be really powerful too. I know for myself, when I've checked in with past mentors or, you know, therapists, healers, Sometimes I just get on that call with them and they're like, okay, cool. Let's check in with your body. And it's just like the tears come out because I'm so, I'm in that moment with them. I can feel them from here. Mm -hmm. And so we start with the body and sometimes that then becomes the session. You know, they'll be there with their eyes closed. Okay. I'm noticing a feeling. Cool. Tell me what it is. Let's stay with it. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I'm good. I actually have something I want to talk about today. It's like, okay, great. Let's do that too. And really, you know, the session is about what's present, whether that's the fight you had this week with your partner or, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, we've been working on a thing in particular. We touched a really, you know, sensitive spot last week. How did that percolate for you? Mm. Is that still present or do you need to, to have a little break from that? And, uh, you know, it's, it's about being with whatever's here. and that it, whatever is here gets redirected back to the body. Huh, okay, I'm noticing, you know, we're talking about whatever it is. What do you feel in your body as you're talking about that? What is happening internally? What are the sensations that come up as you're recounting the story, as you're telling me about, you know, my boss yelled at me. What are the sensations that are happening? And then we can kind of pull, I call it pulling the thread, like we're unraveling. So there's the sensation. And if we can then follow that sensation, there's usually a location. It's in our belly, mm. it's in our chest, it's in our shoulders, our head, our hands, wherever. Okay, wow, it's in, it's in your shoulders today. Huh, that's really interesting. Okay. And, and what is it like in your shoulders? Give, give me a little more understanding. Let's get detailed. Let's get really specific. Oh, okay, there's a tightness in your shoulders. It feels like, you know, someone's actually got their hands, they're squeezing. Oof, that sounds uncomfortable. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Let's just stay with it. Let's just notice it. And typically what will happen when we stay and we notice the sensation is there will become like a visual, like the hands. The hands is very different than like my shoulders feel mm. tight. Oh, I feel like it's hands squeezing my shoulders. Oh, okay, that's a good visual. Stay with that. And then we stay with the visual. Sometimes what will happen is it's just visual and that's where the emotion is. Just being able to see the feeling in that way is our body communicating yeah. to us. And that can be it on its own. That can be a whole session but sometimes it'll lead us to a memory. Oh, there was an experience you had where, you know, you were playing with your friends and a car came by and someone grabbed your shoulders and pulled you back. Wow. That wow. sounds really scary. Like, whoa, there's a memory of someone actually had to do that. And then we get to go back and do this reparenting that I think you spoke to um, and be with, you know, that part. Wow. What did that part need in that moment? Oh, my mom yelled at me for being in the street. And I know she was trying to like save me, but God, it just felt so scary. Oh, wow. That, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, my, my, your boss yelled at you and now you feel that same scared feeling in your shoulders. Mm, huh? Yeah. And what did you really need to hear then? What, what would it be like for us, you know, sit on the sidewalk with that part for a second? And what we do then, you know, is really in reference to this piece about time I spoke to, your body doesn't know what was then and now. But because we can hold both, we can bring in the you of today to sit with that, you know, younger part on the sidewalk and be like, hey, I know that was scary. That's okay. 
it's okay to be scared. I know that was intense. That was a lot. Mm. We're okay now. We just have to know, you know, we can't play in the middle of the street. And that, that reparenting experience, that we can do in session as well. And then really, you know, digesting it afterwards. Whoa, what was it like to realize you can do that? What is it like to see that that part has actually been there for a long time? What was it like to be with it? Mm. And sometimes it's not always that smooth. <laughs> sometimes it's, I don't feel anything and I don't yeah. feel it anywhere. And that's okay too. That's still information we're getting because numbness and nothingness is, is information. Yeah. I was talking about this with a colleague a while back, you know, what kind of numbness? Is it an mm. empty void? Are you cold all over? Are you floating outside your body? That all of those are versions of, I don't feel anything, but they're very, very different. Mm. Yeah. And that, you know, really approaching all of it with curiosity gives us that information, that awareness. And so then, you know, when we have the awareness and the information, then we can say like, oh, okay, now what can we do to be with that part more? Because I think we get so caught on, how do I fix it? Mm, yeah. I am absolutely a individual who does that quite a bit, you know, but one of the big things that I've learned for myself, but also learned through this yeah. work is that, you know, sometimes the most prominent doing that we can do is being. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. I can really hear that you're, like you said, your purpose, you feel like, is to hold space. And I can really see how you hold this space. And I'm also curious, um, as someone who is, is a space holder for others, how do, you, how do you stop holding that space? Or how do you detach from your work or even just from your business at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great question, especially for those of us, like you said, holding space mm, or yeah. who identify with being a helper or yeah. in the helping professions. And sometimes it's not even about work. It's just that's who you were in your family. You were the mm. or you were the problem fixer or with your friends. Wow, I feel like I'm all my friends therapists. Mm. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Which is why it's helpful to have friends who are also therapists. <laughs> yeah. But you know, this question of how do you, how do you navigate that experience of stopping or knowing where the edge is? I think, you know, my, my core belief that has helped me with that came to me from my old somatic therapist. Mm. And she told me that um, the idea that you are going to help them, I need to help them. They need my help. Sometimes is coming yeah. from a place of pity. I don't think you can do this by yourself. Wow. And that when we do that, they need my help. They can't do this without me or I have to do this for them. We rob mm. them of their dignity. We really take away their, the importance of the struggle, the you know, information we learn from a challenge. Mm. And yeah. you know, there's a, a story I had heard like a little parable about um, you know, a man seeing a butterfly in a cocoon and sees the butterfly in the cocoon getting ready to break out. And he, the, he can see the butterfly, you know, pushing and struggling. And he thinks, oh, I'm going to help the butterfly. I'm going to help it get out mm. of this cocoon. And so he opens the cocoon, he cracks it open and the butterfly falls out and doesn't fly. It actually mm. it falls and it dies. It splats on yeah. the ground because without the struggle, the butterfly doesn't grow the muscles that it needs to fly. And that for those of us who identify with being a helper in the helping profession, in the helping lifestyle, I'm a people pleaser, whatever it is, are you doing it to help them or are you doing it because you're uncomfortable watching them struggle? Because then that's not about you. That's about them. Mm, That's about your discomfort, about watching somebody be uncomfortable. And that I have, you know, my own little practices that help me maintain that and one of them is you know really believing that I'm not the answer I Mm, I might be a mirror I might be vibrant I might be here to go there with you but I'm not here to dig you out of the hole that's actually really important for you to know how to do on your own I want you to know how to do that for you but also because I am not going to be with you for your whole life 
I do not want to come home with you after this session. Yeah. To be able to go on vacation and live my life. And I need you, I need to know that you are going to be okay mm. when I'm not available. And that really, you know, is about holding boundaries and saying, hey, I know this is hard and you can do this. And I think for me, that was, you know, what was so rewarding about working with teenagers for so long mm. was them being like, oh my God, I can't, like I'm losing it. Like Steph, help. I know, I know, I get, I get it. It's hard. It sucks. This is not comfortable. You can do this. Yeah. And that, you know, I did my undergraduate work about um, juvenile delinquents and kids mm. who are going into the juvenile detention system and getting incarcerated and what the repeat rate is, the recidivism rate is for kids like that. And one of the number one factors that sets a kid up to be successful or, you know, make it in this world who's coming from a background with um, factors that we would typically see setting them up to go into, you know, incarceration into the judicial system. Mm. The one thing that makes the biggest difference is having one adult in their life who says, you're accountable. Mm. I believe in you and you can do this. And I think that there's actually a teenager or a kid in all of us that also needs somebody to do that, to say, yeah, yeah, it's hard. I get it. And you can do this. I'm not, I'm not going to do it for you. I don't want to. It's not for me to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. holding that firm line really, for me, has been really important for my own energy. But also, I think, makes me better at this work than I used to be. Yeah. And it allows me to, you know, trust in, you know, higher power or, you know, the universe, serendipity, karma, whatever it is, they're going to be okay. They are. I have seen people heal and recover from horrendous experiences. Mm, Yeah. Humans are resilient. Humans are exceptionally resilient. You know, we, even looking at like this pandemic, we were in full panic when this hit and we're okay. It was hard. It was awful. It was painful. People, people died and we're okay. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I also have, you know, like a lot of little visual practices for myself that are really helpful. Sometimes Mm. I think about, you know, doing this work, like we all have our own puzzle box. And when I do sessions, client brings their puzzle, we dump it out on the floor, we sit (laughs) together, we look for corner pieces and go, oh, okay, that's where this one goes. We don't have the picture on the box. We're really just, you know, (laughs) merging around. (laughs) And then at the end of the session, we go, okay, cool. We found three pieces. Awesome. I'll see you next week. Bring your puzzle back. They pick up their puzzle and they take it home. Yeah. Puzzle doesn't stay with me, doesn't stay in my office. That's their puzzle. I don't actually have to hold that puzzle for them in that same way. I'm going to think about their puzzle. I might, you know, be at the grocery store and go, oh, there's a blue corner piece and there's a green corner. Oh, those go together. That totally happens. I absolutely think about my clients outside of session. And that those little, you know, blips, those moments are different than carrying their puzzle for them. Mm, Yeah. Wow, what a great metaphor. Thank you. And how wonderful would it be if we... If we did know the picture on the box. I know. <laughs> that would me. <laughs> and at the same time, I think I I am experiencing the serendipities of life all over the place. I look at where I am now and I, you know, had I asked young me, where are we going to end up? She would have been like, oh, it's going to suck forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, now I, I am able to go camping when I want. I work a job that I love. I have friends that I feel like really see me and support me. And, you know, that none of those things were in, you know, even like my conceptualization ability back in the day. And had I seen the picture on the box ahead of time, maybe I would have gotten here sooner. Absolutely. But I think it also would have robbed me of, you know, the 
the fun of having an epiphany or like the surprise of like, whoa, look at what just happened. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And the, you know, it feels very childlike to say, but really the, like the discovery of life in that way. Like I had a friend recently who um, had like a little caterpillar crawl into her house and it um, made a little home on one of her plants. And she didn't know that it was a milkweed plant that she had. And this was a um, monarch butterfly caterpillar. She just thought, oh, it's a cute caterpillar. I'll let him live there. That's okay. (laughs) Eat some leaves, make yourself a home. And he wove himself a little chrysalis. And she was like, oh my, oh my God. And she was documenting the whole thing. She was sending photos. She was like, you guys, look what happened today. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And you know, a monarch chrysalis is really this beautiful green color, like a light green, like a jade almost, like a light jade. And wow. you know, on the seams, they have these little tiny gold um, balls, these little tiny little gold dots. And I already knew that. I've seen, you know, I come from an area where there are monarch butterflies. We had chrysalises in the classroom in like third grade or whatever. So that I knew that, but it was so mm-hmm. different to watch somebody who had genuinely no idea, like an adult who had no idea and watch her yeah. get as excited about like, whoa, look at these pieces. Look what is happening. And to then watch her be like, oh my God, it opened. Oh my, look at the butterfly. Like just <laughs> everything was such a surprise. And sure, I could have, you know, sent her a YouTube video of that ahead of time and been like, hey, you know, this is what it looks like. This is what to expect. For sure, we could have done that. Oh, but how tasty it was to watch her get Mm. so enthused and excited by each little new discovery. And I think that for me is really like why I don't want the picture on the box. (laughs) What a good point. Uh, you kind of touched on this, but I do ask everyone what they would tell their younger selves with all the knowledge and experience they have now. So mm. I'm really curious to hear what your answer is. Yeah. Oh, me and young Stephanie hang out quite a bit. <laughs> We're familiar. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think through all of it, I, the biggest thing that I want to tell her is that like, there will be a day where you do genuinely love yourself Mm. and that I know she spent you know so much time thinking that that was fake when people said that they were like oh I love myself she was like you're a big fat liar (laughs) that's not real that's not a thing you get to feel that like I I know she wouldn't necessarily believe me at first Mm. but I think that I also would you know want to tell her like I'm here for it, that you don't have to buy it yet, but I'm going to be here for all of it. And, you know, sometimes I've said things like, God, I really wish I could go back in time and tell my younger self what I know now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my dear friends actually reminds me quite frequently, you do. Each time that Mm -hmm. you, you know, choose to take a seat and you know, energetically have that conversation with her, whether it's out loud, which I do out loud, have conversations with her, or if it's in your head or in your body, whatever you are, you are going back in time. You are altering your genetic makeup each time. Mm. And yeah, you are going to end up loving yourself one day and I'm going to be here for it. Even on the days you don't. Mm. Thank you. Wow. That's beautiful. And then I also ask the question, what do you hope to learn from your future? Oh, man. God, I hope to learn a lot from her. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Oh, so many things. I, I am really feeling like I'm at this precipice of jumping into so much newness for myself, mm. you know, having, yeah. you know, working for myself running a practice, getting to work with people, doing something I love, building a life for mm. myself. Um, I feel like the possibilities are endless. And so what do I hope to learn from her? Wow. I, that feels like a huge question. So I, <laughs> I almost don't even know how to, how to ask her because I, I trust her. Mm, I trust yeah. that whatever I need to learn from her, I will. And 
I really hope that she learns how to grill at some point though. That would be cool. <laughs> it's like definitely an area I don't know anything about, but I'd really like to like how to make a really good burger one day, like a really, really <laughs> well done burger, like properly done, like chef, chef's kiss kind of meal. That would be great. I would love to learn how to do that. <laughs> Just very off topic and, you know, unrelated, but also like, I think I, I trust everything else. I trust everything else that she's going to get to it as soon as she gets to it. And when she gets to it is when I'll need to know it. Mm, you said you weren't sure how to answer that, but I think that was perfect. What a beautiful answer. Thank you. Um, so the other question I ask everyone is what does empowered spirituality mean to you? Mm. Mm, such a good question. You know, I think both words in that have, such different mm -hmm. connotations for people mm -hmm. and that empowered for me as you know a, a word really is about um feeling safe and confident and secure about that feeling of like groundedness mm -hmm. and um and also a sense of like trust like it's going to be okay that like I can do this even if I don't know how I think that's yeah. what empowered means to me. And then, you know, this piece about spirituality has been, has been digested by so many different folks from so many different approaches. Mm. And, yeah. you know, as somebody working with people from different, you know, religious backgrounds or different spiritual beliefs, mm. I actually feel like there's a pretty common thread through a lot of it. You know, spirituality for me is yeah. that you're alive. You're alive. You're here on earth whether, you know, you believe your soul came from the universe or God mm. created you, or, you know, we, you know, descended from homo sapiens and, you know, chimps, however you want to approach it, you are here now. And the mm. magic of your chemistry in itself is exceptional. And uh, for me personally, I do really believe there is, you know, a deeper connection, a, mm. a fabric to life, to energy, to love that is woven in, in this secret way that sometimes we can't always see, but mm. is there, is very alive and is always vibrating. And so for me, empowered spirituality would be being able to be with that energy, being with that current mm. from a place of trusting, I can do this, I can be with this and even if I don't know how to navigate this current or see it all the time, mm. I feel it. I'm with it. And I know it's there. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Wow. I could probably talk to you for another three hours. <laughs> <laughs> so clear your schedule. <laughs> just a few. We'll just keep going. I mean, it is so fun. I so appreciate you asking mm. about me. I don't often get that um, mm, chance. Yeah. You know, a lot of what I what I do during my day is listen. Um, and so feel mm -hmm. very grateful for this opportunity to share so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for holding space. Thank you. And before we go, is there anything else that you want people to know, how they can reach you, how they can work with you? Absolutely. The easiest way is either through my website, which is just stephaniesomatics.com or through my Instagram, which is stephaniesomatics. Um, I am currently full up with clients right now, wow. but I am working on um, creating a couple of different workshops and courses um, mm. so that, you know, me and my material are accessible, even if you're not on a, um, you know, weekly check-in basis with me. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, what the last piece that I want everyone to know, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm it's going to be okay. I understand it does not always feel like that. And it is, it is going to be okay. Mm, thank you, Stephanie. Mm. And definitely let me know when you have your courses. I'll let everyone else know and I'll put a link to your website and your Instagram in the mm. show notes. Exceptional. Thank you so much, Samantha. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. It can be challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. 
We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash empowered spirituality. Thank you.